Hi everyone, I'm Stephen Stout, FASAE, CAE Executive Director for the Texas Society of Association Executives. And I'm Katie Marker, Marketing and Communications Director at TSAE. And we'd like to welcome you to the inaugural episode of Better by Association, an original podcast series produced by TSAE. First one, first one, first one. Each month, we'll have a little relaxed chat with professionals in the TSAE community about their career journey, leadership, networking, and the importance of belonging to an organization like TSAE. Yes, Stephen, I'm so excited to be here and co-hosting this podcast with you. This is something that has been on our radar since I started here last year at this time. And with the new year, we decided, let's do this. Katie, be honest, though. Are you nervous? Yes, I'm a little nervous. Me too. Even my palms are sweaty. But this is just like having a chat with a friend. We'll be fine. That's right. We're fine. And what better way to kick off this podcast to the association community than a chat with our 2022-2023 TSC Board of Directors Chair, Jody Ann Ray, C-A-E-C-C-E-I-O-M. That's a lot of letters. A lot of letters, Jody Ann. Jody Ann joined the Texas Society of CPAs in 2016 and serves as President and CEO. She has over 25 years of experience in association management. Before joining TXCPA, she served as Vice President of an International Association, as well as CEO of several Chambers of Commerce in Connecticut, North Carolina, and Texas, where much of her work focused on government affairs, economic development, and community development. She's a graduate of Fairfield University and received her Certified Association Executive designation from the American Society of Association Executives and her Institute for Organization Management designation from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. She is a member of ASAE, TSAE, and DFWAE. She serves as a board member of the CPA Society of Executives Association and as a current chair of the Texas Society of Association Executives. It does. Yes. Jody Ann was recognized as the DFWAE Executive of the Year in 2020. In her professional capacity, she also serves as a member of the AICPA Uniform Accountancy Act Committee. She lives in North Texas with her husband, Joey, and their five children. Woo, a ton of experience and a great deal of knowledge, so I don't feel bad at all about grilling her with all of her questions today. But before we get started with those, we'd like to thank our episode sponsor, the Amarillo Convention and Visitors Bureau. Yes, thank you so much for supporting our podcast today. And also, welcome to the podcast, Jody Ann. We are so excited to have you, Jody Ann, as our first guest. Thank you so much for being here with us and being our first victim, if you will, uh, to see how this all works out. Again, thank you for joining us and being such a willing volunteer in all this. We appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you, Stephen and Katie. Yes, we're going to jump right in here. As you know, Jody Ann, that our profession is sort of unique where a vast majority of those that have been in it or aren't in it have did not go to school for it, right? Until recently, I think there wasn't even school for association management. And even now, there's only like a few universities that offer any courses in that. So we all have our like, oh, I fell into this or I stumbled into associations. What is your fall in story? Like, how did you become involved in associations? Thanks for asking. It is interesting to always hear people's stories about how they got here. And, you know, I was a psychology major in school and oh, really? thought that I was going to work in social services and realized I was not cut out for bringing everyone's issues home with me every night. And so <laughs> I needed to move to a business track and I needed to do it pretty quick. But I've always in my professional career, always worked in membership organizations, membership based organizations. So for a long time, I led chambers of commerce. 
in three different states across the country, did a lot of government affairs work, a lot of economic development work, a lot of community development. And then I realized when I kind of looked across and said, you know, where do I want to go with my career path? What do I want to look back on and say that I did or accomplished? I realized that it made sense to move to the association side. And the reason I really got that exposure was through the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Institute for Organization Management Program. And so there's usually, I don't know if this is still the case, there was kind of a chamber track and an association track. And that's where I really got the first exposure of there really being an association for everything and anything. Yeah, I think one can argue that your school training of social issues would transfer pretty easy to associations because I feel like we all sort of hold our members' hands and, and, and try and get them to the day, right? I completely agree. I say that or I joke about it quite a lot. You know, just how do we interact? The communication being the most important thing that we do every day and also the research pieces of some of the things that we do. So I was working in chambers of commerce, made kind of a conscious decision, went to a larger association really because I knew I needed that background and experience and kind of step away from a CEO role to join somebody else's organization and kind of see how they ran their shop, if you will. So that's kind of how I approached it. Yeah. And I feel like there's always this unique similarity between chamber of commerces and associations. And I, I feel like that sort of wall is getting thinner and thinner because they just look very similar to us. It makes sense that you, that's the path you came from. So that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. We are so glad you fell into the association world and joined us here at TSAE. And now you are our TSA Board of Directors Chair. So how's it going? <laughs> loaded question, loaded question. <laughs> it's actually been going great. And I will tell you, everyone says this, that has kind of preceded or served as a chair before, but it, it's amazing how quickly the year you prep for it and you know a whole year in advance, but it's amazing how quickly the year goes. The meetings are great. I feel so fortunate that we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, if you will, because we've had a chance to be in person the entire year that I've served as chair so far. So we're halfway through and we go to June now, but it's been so great and really rewarding and energizing to have our community back together. And I think that's one of the things that all of us love so much about the association. I feel like our board is such a unique sort of collection of individuals who, who just, I've never seen a board that cares so much about the org, whether they be an associate professional or affiliate or what we call our vendors. They all want to see the organization move forward, right? So I think that's so unique. There aren't a lot of agendas in the room, or if any, that's what I've seen working with this board. And of course, Jody Ann, you as leader, I feel like you've always had a very clear vision for TSAE, uh, even since coming into the leadership roles. So what was the main goal that you wanted to accomplish coming into the chair role? Well, one of the things I want to share is I completely agree with you how wonderful of an experience this has been working with the board and the staff because they do care so much and they just don't come to meetings. They are doing so much work behind the scenes and we've asked them to take on some new roles and responsibilities in the last year or two and they have all so willingly done that. And the next question they ask is, okay, what can I help with? It's great. Um, one of the things that I was really excited about that we talked about in the last couple of years was just how we do our priority setting and how we look at strategy. And so one of the things that I was really excited to take on this year was setting a new strategic plan in place for TSAE and really having that broadly shared among the board, the committees, our members, 
and how everyone can kind of engage in that work and help drive us forward. And I'm really excited about the process that we went through recently and where we are and everyone's really diving in to do some of the work. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I think people don't realize that TSE hasn't had a strategic plan in over 10 years. Not because we don't think that's the right way to go. It's just we've always done these strategic goals that we do annually and that live annually. They sort of have a shelf life sometimes of one year. I love that you came in and said like, you know what? It's time to look past 365 days. Like what? What are we going to look like in three years, five years, 10 years? How And how do we change to address those things? So um, I think it's been a really cool exercise for us, as I know a lot of groups that go through strategic planning. But when you're the association for associations, your strategic planning, I feel, is a lot. It's just really interesting to see because all everyone around the table is bringing something from their org and their org is very similar things to what we do. And so we're in that unique position. So I think it's been a great exercise, not only for the leadership, and but for the staff, too. Do you think we've achieved your, your sort of vision yet? I definitely think that we're well on our way. And I think those strategic priorities that we had, those kind of annual priorities, served us really well. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. But I think that there's some continuity that we're going to be able to achieve and really taking on some bigger, broader goals and initiative because of the change in process. So one of the things that's been really neat is at the beginning of the process, we kind of set out what the process was going to look like and then thinking about implementation but as you said, all those perspectives around the table and what they're doing in their own process has kind of improved it and modified it as we go. But I think yeah. it's been a, a great addition. I know there's that saying that like you're building the plane while flying in it, but I feel like that triggers some stressors, but I feel this hasn't been a stressful procedure. It's just been sort of, we've been building this thing as we continue to move forward. Just a really interesting exercise in everybody. And there's so many people involved, like last year's board and this year's board. Um, it's just been a really fun exercise. So thank you for bringing that to the table for us. We appreciate your leadership on that. Well, I, for one, wasn't around when we had the 365-day initiatives that TSAE used to do. But I love being a part of this vision that we have and this strategic plan that we're talking about. I think one of the things that it's really helped with or is really highlighted in the process is this collaboration that we now have between the staff team and the volunteers and how we can engage more people in the process. Oh, I agree. So you talked a little bit about this year being kind of back and fortunate to be back and feel like we're a little bit closer to a new normal. What are the biggest changes that you have experienced post 2020? Biggest changes. Um, you know, I think the biggest change has been for me personally and my work is really the work environment and what that looks like now and how it's yeah. continuously changing. And also how we kind of created our strategic plan at the beginning phases of the pandemic, what was approved in 2020, but how we've had to continually update and adjust and modify over the last couple of years. And because so, that's a lot of work with your strategic plan being approved before COVID and then having to adjust all the time because of COVID, good Lord. It was interesting because we had to do the entire process virtually. And so instead of having a large group in person in one room, we did five small cohorts and we ran them through a virtual process online, but we did small groups so everyone would have the chance to talk and engage and no one was kind of invisible in the process. It was really fascinating how all five of those groups came to very similar conclusions on their own, even though they didn't have the benefit of the other conversations. Oh, that is interesting. What a unique way to do strategic planning. 
and even harder when it's virtual because goodness knows sometimes it's hard to get people to pay attention when they're all in a room together but having them engaged on a virtual platform that's really awesome actually i think it helped give us some lessons too about other things that we can do when we're trying to engage people in a virtual setting which was helpful i love that sort of digging a little deeper jody Ann, we talked a little about your tsc or your board chair experience and then this, I, we want to sort of prod into your sort of really smart brain of looking to the future, right? So with that, what are some of the challenges that, in your opinion, you see ahead for the association industry for the next year or so? There's so many. I feel like we're not going to be yeah. all sitting all in. No, of course not. A short amount of time. But some of the things that I'm kind of thinking about or top of mind or, you know, when I'm driving in the car and just with my own thoughts, I kind of feel like some of the things that we're all dealing with or focusing on are issues around work, not human resources, but talent as a strategy, pipeline, you know, all those issues, whatever we call it. Digital transformation, I think, is still top of mind for me, not just things like cyber risk, but what technology are we using to do our work, but how are we using technology to deliver value to our constituents? And then the other one that I'm thinking a lot about is shifting expectations and how we kind of present our value propositions as associations and what that leads to look like in the future and what that's going to be mean for what type of services we even offer. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like we live in this sort of Amazon world, right, where um, everyone should has everything at their fingertips immediately. And that's just not how associations operate. So a lot of us, I think, post-COVID have learned a lot about how to deliver things in, in a unique way. You know, let's take Texas, for instance. Texas is a huge state. So I think for us, it's, it's challenged us to service our members across the entire state, not just in maybe some of our more membership-focused hubs. So I think that's a good thing to think about because, you know, we all want to be Amazon, but we, we look at the budget, we're like, hmm, we're not going to be Amazon. So how do we get close to that? And I think that's really great. And then, of course... Your workforce issues, that's just, that's something everyone's thinking about. I think um, we saw a big trend in like folks sticking around in their groups and and there's been so much transition, so much jumping. And then now I feel like a lot of leaders are worried about, well, now how do I keep them? I've got them. I've got the good people. I've got the great team in place, but goodness, how do I keep them when other folks are throwing money at them? Ridiculous amounts of money. You know, here in Austin, of course, TikTok has moved here and Google has moved here. Facebook has headquarters here and they're paying ridiculous amount of salaries that we just can't compete with. But what are our jewels and our crown that we can sort of promote that's not necessarily salary based? Because I think the workforce has shifted as it's not just about salary anymore, right? Flexibility and all that stuff. So it sounds like you get your head on pretty straight, Jody, and addressing all the ones that I keep hearing from other groups as well. Well, that's good. I'm gl glad to hear that we're talking about similar issues. But let me just add two points about each of those, if we can. The first yeah. one about, you know, kind of re-examining what we offer and what that looks like. I think that that's something that has always been true, but it's even more true now and it's expedited. So, you know, how much time are we spending on time and investment in reinvention and what that looks like and what kind of ecosystem that we're building in order to do that? So for example, if we kept our models the way they look today, what would we say is kind of the half-life of our organizations? How long could we exist if we just exist like our current state? And I think that 
that's a scary thought to be. Yes, it is. But, you know, one of the things I think in lots of associations, we are a trusted source, but how we provide information or resources as a trusted source has shifted so much because we can't give that maybe immediate answer that you can get on Google. Right. But is that really a place of trust or the best information? So how do we kind of bring into equilibrium what we're doing and how we do it? So we've tried some things as we've been through this change in the last couple of years, and some work and some hasn't, but it's trying to make ourselves more accountable to that immediacy. And it's hard. It's like so challenging, but I really think that we have to keep pushing and it's okay if we try to do it and it doesn't work the first time. Right. I love that experiential approach. Uh, I can see in my head, I have a vision of like you and your team, your little lab coats with your little beakers, uh, <laughs> trying yeah. like this, a little bit of that, and like did it work or it blew up in our face and it didn't work. Have an explosion. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a great approach because I feel like that's how we're all going to get through this or come out on the other end of, I feel like rinse, wash, repeat, it's not the answer anymore. Right. I know we always, even pre-COVID, there was a lot of talk about killing your sacred cows or whatever, but I feel like that's more important now than ever. Like you said, just taking a good look at everything on the table and seeing how we can adjust or um, meet our members' needs of where they are. Because, you know, like you said, their wants and needs are different than they were in 2019, right? It's it's just a different space now. And I would love to have a conversation at some point about what interactions that other association leaders are having with their members about that. Because in one hand, they understand and they see all the change that's happening to their profession or even their own organization. And at the same time, the association almost becomes their safe space and they like the stability and continuity of it. So even some of my members now have said, hey, we've been through a lot of change. Can we kind of not <laughs> have keep the status quo for a bit? bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, like we have to keep talking through it because I don't think that's the state of our environment anymore. Yeah, it's like a delicate balance between changing and, and not giving them whiplash, right? About how fast yes. we're changing, you know? Uh, like you, I think you said earlier, like sort of bringing them on this journey with us. Uh, you know, it's not us running in front of them, but us running alongside. And that way, maybe they feel part of the change. And maybe we run in front of them sometimes, but then we have yes. to remember to come back to where they are. You're right, yes. It's very easy to run in front of them, run forward. And then, of course, you, like you said, you give members who are like, hey, we've experienced a lot. Maybe we can take a breath for a second. And it's like, no, keep going. It's like 5K. Let's keep moving. Okay. What's next? <laughs> What's next? I mean, you kind of talked about some of this, but just in your head, what are some things you think every association leader should have on their radar? I know you mentioned like what to look at in the future, but is there something like that's happening right now that you think like everyone should kind of be keeping an eye on this? I feel like there's um, a number of them, but I think that kind of the economics of the environment right now, you know, it's so different. And what is that going to mean for people's participation and engagement? You know, one of the things that we all talked about was mergers and acquisitions, and it's happening in every industry and every space. And what does that mean for our stability, our future outlook? But then what are the opportunities, there are ways that we can maybe take advantage of that to serve with and through it? Yeah. It's hard because, you know, like we talked about, the, there's the one year you'll have a, a group that's companies with two booths and they've merged and acquired. And now they're one. So that big two 20 by 30 booth spaces that brought in a lot of money are now one 10 by 10. And that affects a lot of different groups in a lot of different ways. So it's definitely something we everyone should sort of keep an eye on, especially in their specific space, right? It's hard to keep up with, but it's important to keep up with, I feel like. 
Absolutely. You know, and I think a lot of organizations, mine included, are dealing with different expectations and thoughts around membership. Yes. And so, you know, at one point, organizations in our space, for example, you know, they felt necessary to have every licensed professional be part of the organization and to be engaged and to give back and would kind of take people by the arm and say, you're going to get involved and here's how you're going to participate. And now that's shifting to, you know, we need to have some representation, but maybe we don't need to have everybody there. And also around things like a big part of our revenue for membership comes through what we call professional group membership or group billing. And mm -hmm. so as mergers and acquisitions change and things like that happen, there's definitely a loss that we've experienced that we have to kind of adjust for and approach in a new way. Trudy, how do you guys approach keeping up with that? Because I know in our space, we see like so much jumping, right? And we're the, usually the last to hear about it. Uh, yeah. Usually we find out, we email someone, we get a bounce back and we're like, oh, the person's no longer there. And I get it. You know, the last call someone makes when moving jobs is like, oh, I need to tell TSE I moved. I get that. But how are you guys staying on top of that? Because it is just, it is a challenge. So hard. You're absolutely right. And it's a really interesting one because I would say even 10 years ago, there wasn't a sales aspect to all of our work like there is now. But with regard to how we keep up with it, we didn't do it in the past. People would call us. But now, you know, we're trying to keep our folks trained that anytime you hear about a change, it needs to go to the kind of the central repository in membership. And then anytime we get a piece of returned mail, anytime we get an email from a member or a bounce back, anytime we you know, see something in the news or those group billing rosters are really helpful for us because they'll add people and take people off. Yeah. And so when they take people off, maybe because they're not with the company anymore, we go out and we find them. We use social media or, you know, LinkedIn and like okay. we're literally kind of being detectives a little bit to find where they've landed and pull them back to the association. Detective's a nicer word. I was going to say stalker because that's what we do. We're <laughs> a cyber stalker like, oh, they're not there. LinkedIn, here we come. And then digging into the mystery and then it's such a uh, like a success when we find someone like, oh, they've moved here. I found them. That's great. That I think that's important too because I feel like it's a piece sometimes we don't have a lot of time for. I'm trying to get through the day to day, but it's important to put that on your list. I think of to do is because trying to find your people and, and sometimes it's your cheerleaders, right? And sometimes the cheerleaders are better about telling you they've left, but I like your approach about group billing, and that's a great way to like assess who's there, who's not, and we may even get new names on your list rather than just the ones you've had before. That's a great idea. Now we'd like to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, the Amarillo Convention and Visitors Bureau. Be sure to visit them online at visitamarillo.com. Visit Amarillo, where the vastness of the Panhandle Plains give way to the majestic red walls of Paladuro Canyon. Saddle up and experience the grandness from horseback, or climb into a Humvee and rumble through the canyon for the thrill ride of a lifetime. Here in Amarillo, there's a sunset to ride into and a sunrise to capture. Visit Amarillo, where Old West meets New West. So I realize I'm pushing a lot of making you think and stretch your brain a little bit, but I'm curious to know, is there anything that keeps you up at night? I think those three areas that I talked about, the digital transformation, the workforce issues, and kind of the product or value prop and changing expectations are, are at the top of my list. I would say this concept about what we're doing with talent, 
whether it's talent that we need to get our job done to serve our members or what our members are experiencing in their own businesses, if they're, you know, a professional organization or represent an industry sure. is so important. So, you know, I've been thinking about what can we do differently and how can we approach that? And so this concept of people leadership is something that I've been trying to think about. And Boy, I love that term, people leadership. It's so like, cause it's not just working with folks. It's how are we being strategic about it? And so how are we adjusting? And it starts with ourselves. And I catch myself a lot making mistakes and saying, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, or maybe I shouldn't have done that. Cause it's kind of the, the little stuff that kind of helps you see what you need to be doing differently. And so how are we leading through uncertainty, having more self-awareness and self-evaluation and what's the value proposition that we're bringing to the workplace, like mm. even for our own workplace or what our members are doing. And I think for us, one of the things that we need to do is we know about these issues, but we need to be more intentional about them and take time for them. And so one of the things that we're trying to work through right now and think about is how do we help our members work through it? Because they know that they're having challenges, they need to make changes. How are we helping them with their self-evaluation in their own companies and helping them put that strategy together? Yeah. So doing it, having to worry about it for ourselves as well as those we serve. Interesting. Yeah, I love that people leadership, not just for the strategy part, but the people, like you're you're talking about them as people, not, not assets, right? People. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. Really interesting. I just wanted to share this because I thought it was so cool. I was reading, I think, a... CEO survey, and I think it was PWCs. They've done a CEO survey for like the last 25 years. And one of the things that they talked about was how CEOs have reported, because they did like 4,500 CEOs, that they understood that they need to make change or they're not going to be around, that how important it is, but how they're managing it and what they need to be doing differently themselves to kind of drive it. I thought it was a really good article. I'd be happy to share the link. It helped me think differently, maybe about how I'm approaching the work and yeah. how we need to be talking about it as a group. Yeah, I'd love to see that just because I'm curious to hear what CEOs have to say about a change because I know there are some that you know, are scared of change, so they do like the rinse, wash, repeat approach um, and some that are embracing it full throttle and are just doing incredible things. So I'm curious to see where everyone lies in that in that response. I think that there's like a clear correlation in some of the research being done now about the outcomes for those companies that are embracing it and doing it differently. Cool. Yeah, these are big issues we're talking about here. What advice would you give for an association leader right now? I think one of the things is um, we all feel, at least I think in the conversations that I've had, that we all feel a little bit unstable and like, mm. that's okay. Yes. I love that. that yeah. way. And that we have experience that we can draw on our own personal experience, the experience from our team members, the experience from our constituents and our members. And so trust in that a little bit more, like even when it's really hard, take a step back and you know, I just had a conversation with my chair this past week because we had two really big proposals that went to our board. Structural big changes, one around governance, one around membership, and one passed and one failed. Mm. And so, you know, what's the immediate thing that people do? They focus on 
okay, what could I have done like, to make yeah. that pass? And so we had a really great conversation. And sometimes I think just stepping back and she said, make a list of all the things that you've done or worked on or accomplished in the last six years since you've been here. And so I did. And, you know, I think everybody needs that reminder sometimes yeah. that it's really good with really hard things. We have so much experience to draw from and trust yeah. ourselves to be able to do it and one step at a time and work through it. And I think one of the things that we've talked about a lot, and I know that so many of our TSAE members care about is we want to be there for each other when we're facing something like that because somebody has been there for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's hard to remember you're not the first to do that kind of thing, right? So um, that's what- You feel alone on the island. You feel so alone on the island. It's so lowly. And then you realize you have a coffee with Jodi Ann or something. And then she says, oh, I've done that before. You're like, oh, really? And then you don't feel so secluded. And so I love that you've, you've used your community to sort of help with that. And it is so easy to focus on the fails, but the idea of really thinking about all the things that you have accomplished gives you that kind of confidence and reminder of the experience you have. And the fails move us forward. Sometimes they do. Forward they really sometimes do. faster than the successes. They really do. I mean, it, it's hard to remember that when you're in the moment, but, you know, <laughs> three days later, or maybe a couple happy hours, you're like, you know what? I'll be okay. It'll be all right. Exactly. So I know, not that we've talked all gloom and doom, but I'm curious if there's anything in the future that makes you excited Jody Ann for associations. Oh my goodness. It's a lot that we're all yeah. dealing with, but I honestly could not be more excited because I guess I just am not a rinse and repeat person. Yes. I don't think that I would enjoy that as much. <laughs> a couple of days of it would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe a week or so. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be nice. But you know, the dynamics of what we're faced with now, it gives us huge opportunity Mm -hmm. It's some of those traditional barriers that we had or some of those traditional expectations, they're not there. So we can maybe do some of the things now that weren't even possible in the past because of our structure or our traditions or member preferences, all those kinds of things. And I think that there's a bigger, broader world of opportunity in how we serve and make a difference that's available to us now than there ever has been before. Right. I think the future is exciting. I think there's a lot of opportunity there for trying new things. And I, I love your your experiential approach. I think that's exciting because I feel like we might have some grace with our membership lately about trying new things because we're trying to come back in, in a way that moves them forward as well. So I'm excited too. I 100% agree with you. And, you know, we've talked about this at the board table a little bit, but one of the things that we've expressed is how much we appreciate when TSAE steps out and tries new things yep. and then shares that feedback and that example with us because we may oh, not yeah. have had the bandwidth to do it or we may not have thought about it. And so to be able to try those things in meetings or with concepts, it's a huge benefit to the membership. Absolutely. We're happy to do it. I love being at the test lab, if that's, if that's a good phrase to call us. Well, these are great changes and looking in the future, what is something that we will not miss from pre-2020 world? Well, for me personally, the one thing I won't miss that comes straight to mind is driving to the office every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yes, absolutely. We uh, traffic in things. Dallas and our staff team jokes a little bit that I live in Oklahoma. 
Um, so <laughs> I did not realize until I was forced to not do it, the impact that it was having. That's one thing that I won't go back to. Love it. Same. L- yeah, I don't know, right? Leading into sort of more about you, Jody Ann, take TSC out of the equation. What are some of the like resources you use to sort of stay on top of things like blogs, magazines, articles, what have you, heck, even podcasts? Is there anything you refer to again and again to kind of stay on top of what's happening? Well, one of the things that I started doing, I don't remember a few years ago, is like I realized that I have to make myself more comfortable with things that I'm not familiar with or, you know, things that just aren't in my regular wheelhouse. And so I try to look for things that are, I read all the things that are kind of in our space and about associations or in, you know, the accounting profession, which I currently serve. But I try to look at things that are future focused or trends based or opinion based because it gives me a frame of reference that's different than my own. So one thing I will look at sometimes is, you know, there's a lot of organizations that will do research like in my space and accounting, the big four, which is like PwC and KPMG and EY, Deloitte, they all do a lot of consulting. And so they have a lot of research that's um, really focused around business operations and governance and leadership. And so I find those things really helpful. I also really enjoy a lot of what the World Economic Forum publishes. I think that's a really helpful resource. It's a great one. And I think what's interesting too is that I do like asking like outside of our space, what are people reading? Just because I feel like there's a lot of crisscross in a sense. So hundred percent, I love that. So what does work-life balance look like for you? Speaking of being out of our space. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what What does work-life balance mean? <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> you know, I, I think we've probably all done a tremendous amount of reflection on that topic, you know, in the last couple of years. And what I decided for myself was that I don't need work to be separated from my personal life. And it doesn't necessarily work that way for me. We all, I'm sure, develop, you know, really strong relationships and friendships with people that we serve and members. And so, you know, there's definitely a lot of blur for me. And I like it. I'm personally okay with that. I like to switch back and forth and, you know, want to give that flexibility to me and also the people I work with to be able to do that. So if there's a family thing that you need to be at, go do it. You know, we still have responsibilities and things that we need to get done in a certain time, but how you choose to balance that should be your decision. You should be in control of that. I love that. So backing up on Katie's question. So when you are not working, Jody Ann, what are you doing? Well, I still have kids at home. Yeah. I have one that's on their own completely now and two that are in college. So they're not home as much, but we have two high schoolers, one a senior and one a sophomore. And so that's what I love to do. I like to go to games and cook meals for the drill team and go to the competitions and take them wherever they need to go. That's, I know it's um, going to be short-lived because they're going to be out on their own soon. Yeah. So that's what I want to spend my time doing. Yeah. And are you one of those parents that looks for the Wi-Fi signal and is like, well, while I'm here, I can do a little work while I watch the dance competition? That is totally possible. I do that all the time. <laughs> I can now balance my laptop in different ways that I never know what possibly are. 
Yeah. It's almost, I mean, it's not technology. That's not bird life balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we were Opportunities about. to be connected from wherever you are. I love that. That's great. I do too. There's a lot of times I've had my leadership call on Friday afternoon from the call because we're headed to a game. Yes. I know. I've talked to you, I think, while you're at Probably. on the road or you're cooking for someone or you're doing all the things. And honestly, Jody, and your schedule tires me. So I don't know how you get up every day, but uh, we were certainly glad you do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Our last question for the day is why TSAE? So what is it that drew you here and why do you keep coming back? Well, what drew me here originally is because someone did for me what I hope to do for as many people in the association space as I can, and that is simply to extend an invitation. I think that making people feel welcome and showing them that this is their professional home is the most important thing that we can do to serve our fellow members and the profession as a whole, because I see association management as a profession and I, I want it viewed that way. 100% agreed. I feel like we, I wish, I think you've heard me say this before, I wish we talked about that piece of it more. Yes. But, you know, no matter what it is, and it's always in the most casual places, in the hallway between a session where you're just catching up and you might talk about something that's happened and you have that interaction with somebody that says, oh, you know, I have a, a resource for you on that. Or have you talked to so-and-so? Or, you know, we do such a great job with our structured education, but it's that engagement, that communication and support professional to professional that is just invaluable to every one of us. And it doesn't matter, you know, where you are in your professional journey or your career, you can get that same value as you're starting, whether you've been there 30 years. Yeah, I think, you know, just sitting in an audience at a TSC event, hearing someone be frustrated about something or hearing someone celebrate a success, I think some of the best conversations I've ever had are in the hallways or... I heard you mention this in the session, and I just wanted to follow up with you because we're going through that now, too. What are some roadblocks you hit so we know to avoid them? And a welcoming community, too. I'm just very, very grateful for that. And, and we're grateful for you, Jody. And thank you so much for your leadership, because I think people think that, oh, board chair, they, she'll get her wooden plaque and then we'll go on to the next one. It's so much more than that. I mean, especially these these past few years have been so challenging where all of us in TSC is not immune from that. Just climbing up that hill post-2020 um, we really appreciate your leadership and all you do for the org. And we're so grateful you decided to be our first guest on our podcast. Yes, thank you for today. And I mean, I feel like that, that, was, that wasn't too painful, right? It was <laughs> not. I was a little nervous about the podcast, but um, it was super fun just to be able to have a conversation with both of you. I so appreciate it. And I appreciate you saying that, but really, I need to thank all of you because I can never, I want to be able to give more because I could never possibly give enough to, to give back everything that TSAE has given to me. Well, well, thank you, Jody Ann. And thank you, Katie, for co-hosting with me today. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we want to thank again Jody Ann Ray, our, our guest, president and CEO of the Texas Society of CPAs. Thank you both, and I'll look forward to seeing you soon. And thanks to everyone for listening to this inaugural episode. First one. First one. First one. First one. Of TSC's Better by Association. I think we got to crush our first episode, Katie. What do you think? Absolutely. It was fun. And we'd like to extend a special thank you to our episode sponsor, the Amarillo Convention and Visitors Bureau. For more information, visit their website at visitamarillo.com. I think I'm even ready to do another one. Good, because we're going to do one next month. So join us next month as we have more conversations with members from the association community. 
And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the Texas Society of Association Executives, be sure to visit us online at tsae.org. And on behalf of TSAE, I'm Stephen Stout with Katie Marker. See you next time.